This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. We wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Ah, Christmas. Christmas, one of the most complicated family situations (laughs) um, ever, I think. A moment of great pressure in every year. Yeah. Huge pressure. Yeah. Because everyone has to have a good time. I feel like I know your Christmas childhood inside out. Thank God you said that. Tell me about it, because I can't remember. I do. I know. I really know your Christmas inside out. It's quite... I I was just thinking... No, no, that's good. It's good. But I was just wondering if you knew my Christmas childhood Christmas. No, I don't at all. Obviously, I've been banging on about me and not been vaguely interested in your Christmas at all. I mean, I've always assumed your Christmas was like everything else in your life, full of countless myriad sort of magical people coming from all corners of the globe, laden with food and gems, and it's like Aladdin, actually, for me. No. And I just imagine that it was... But I do have a strong sense of of the fact of your Christmas through how you and your sister Dina have shared about it. So I've got a sense of it, but I don't know it intimately. I presume your mum was knitting sort of mince pies in the kitchen. Every single Christmas morning, my dad came downstairs and said, what? Is it today? Mm. What? Christmas? Now? Yes, dad. With the turkey? He still does that. He still does it. He knocks on the door and says, is this a special occasion? (laughs) He's still got a Oblivious, which just goes to show because he grew up in the Middle East, there was no that. sense of Christmas. Mm. So you never really do catch up, do mm. you? It's funny. And, you know, very much your Christmas, my idea of your Christmas, was both happy and sad as a child because. Well, my idea of my Christmas was one of extreme excitement coupled with crushing disappointment all the time <laughs> because. Because my mum would rarely... She'd always be there. She'd always get there for Christmas Day. But there was always the drama of her possibly not getting there. Yeah. Um, And so it was very chaotic. And I I rarely went to bed on Christmas Eve excited about Santa arriving. I went to bed uh, sort of anxious that my mother wasn't going to arrive. Yeah. So in a weird way, that kind of made it all the more pleasant that Nan and my granddad had sorted out all the presents and all that kind of stuff Mm. the morning after. Uh, And Santa always arrived and all that kind of stuff. But... That was always my thing. So the whole, and the reason I sort of say that is not to get the violins out and start, start playing them, but it's, it's the fact that for me, Christmas, and I think this informs maybe a lot of parents and the way Christmas runs for them as adult parents mm. of teens and tweens, um, Christmas for me is very much about, you know, your responsibilities as a parent and trying to give to your kids what it is you didn't feel you had. Well, this is it, isn't it? And I think, well, obviously you grew up without a dad. Mm. So you never saw your dad no. on Christmas Day. No. And then, of course, when I met you, you had your two daughters Mm -hmm. and you were never allowed to see them on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's quite an intense time of loss for me, actually. (laughs) The more I think about it, the closer I get to almost sort of falling on the floor and starting to sob my heart out. I mean, it it, it really is a time of of not seeing all the people that you would like to see or spending time with all the people that you'd like to spend time with. Well, I think let's just take it a bit... Let's let's not rush too far ahead because Mm. I think that, you know... That 
was very much your Christmas and I remember you you were saying, you know, you, it was really annoying because you would hear your mum talking really loudly downstairs about what your presents were yeah. and that would be really frustrating and yeah. so and so that carries through with our Christmas and but this it is unbelievable like... shushing that you start doing yeah. <laughs> from the day before Christmas. No, no, no. Honestly, I get anxiety but we all have got to talk in an absolute whisper. Absolutely <laughs> right because the magic of Christmas for me wasn't something that just came and went like it does for all children over a certain age. Yeah. I had to resolutely make a conscious decision from the age of three to, to maintain the magic, the magic mm. of Christmas despite everything I was hearing and in all the invoices and receipts <laughs> I was seeing. <laughs> Typical you checking the invoices and receipts. Yeah, absolutely. But of course, we had the most extraordinary thing happen, which was I gave birth to our beautiful firstborn mm. on Christmas Day. <laughs> Can we have the sound effect of uh, sleigh bells there? I mean, what a present. I didn't feel like much of a present as I was squatting on the kitchen floor screaming for gin, but it was, yeah, it was very, very difficult. But um, it's an intense time, Christmas. Christmas is like a. It's like when they talk about the ley lines in certain parts of the country, and a sort of weird energy exists there. And I think Christmas is that for most families. I think, I think as a as a race, as humans, we everything in our lives converges towards this climactic moment in every year. Everything's built into Christmas. What's the phrase that we always use? God, it's suddenly upon us, like none of us saw it coming again, mm. twelve months away. Mm. And you know, and I think Christmas is a time where all relationships and senses of ourselves fall into sharp, sharp focus. Well, that's why there's that date, isn't there, in January, which is the most which is the most popular time for people to apply for divorce. Mm. Because they get I've through... I've made a note of it for this year. <laughs> they get through Christmas and, you know, they're on, hanging by the skin of their teeth. And I do think there is this enormous pressure to do everything right. And I certainly felt that as, as a child growing up. I mean, we did really, really love Christmas, but there was very much, oh, this happens at this time, you know, and they must have the Brussels sprouts, we must have the ripe potatoes, and we must have this, and we must have that. So it's very weird for me being now the grown-up, or pretending to be the grown-up, and being the mum in charge of Christmas, and in charge of um, you know, of, of, of everyone having the best time. But I would consider myself, I consider myself extremely blessed, because so many women will say to me, most women, that their partners do absolutely zero for Christmas. Mm. Like, never buy a present and never da-da. And mm. in fact, they're not only buying the presents, but they're buying all the presents for their partners. But you've always been so proactive with the girls, with the girls' Christmas and taken great joy out of it. But also, I have seen you over the years put enormous pressure. Mm. And we have a mutual friend, don't we, our, our lovely Lisa. And you and her are the same in this, that you would get to a certain point in the run-up to Christmas. Um, we know that Santa's bringing all his presents, but then there would be the extra presents that we give the kids. And you would suddenly go like a maniac mm. and go out and just buy multiple things that they didn't want, need, yeah. or ever even thought of, or even cross them. Um, it's interesting for me watching that because I think that does come from, and Lisa, our, my, our friend Lisa says the same, of being having a bit of an insecure childhood where you didn't know whether you were going to get stuff and you didn't know whether... Mm. And the greatest fear is that your child doesn't get what you were missing. Mm. 
And for me, it's quite obvious that that sometimes you're trying to fill an emotional gap with that by buying more presents. I think there are two, there are different types of Christmases, aren't there? There's the there's also here's the thing of all of the chats we've done in this series, Confessions of a Modern Parent. I'm finding this the most difficult to know whether what I'm talking about is of use to other parents or other children, because. Mm. In a sense, what are we talking about? We're talking about the problems of Christmas, the difficulties of Christmas, the struggles around Christmas. And for me, you know, being a parent of children under the age of 12, essentially, was all about how difficult it was maintaining the magic of Christmas. Mm. And everything subsequent to them being 12, and now Maddie's, you know, 16, but of course Izzy is 26 this year and, and, and Fleur's 21, is steering through an entirely different minefield of letting go of the magic in many ways of Christmas and recognising that it actually becomes an incredibly difficult time for many families to focus on, whether it be children or parents, on their relationships. Because for me, it's not... For me, Christmas isn't just about, you know, for the listeners, catering for uh, Maddie and Kiki. It's about not seeing and not having certain things resolved with my eldest daughters and us as a family having that. Mm. And also it's about the girls, you know, it our youngest girls. It brings a sharp focus yeah. on any problems that you have within your family, doesn't it? And so then so then a darkness can sort of creep in about yes. that as you yeah. worry about that. And well, I think we shouldn't be ashamed to say that because I think hmm. a lot of people, there's a huge pressure. Expectation that everything's suddenly got yeah, to be Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, I would like to think that if I was sort of somewhere listening to a podcast of some form or something, I would be wanting to think to myself that actually there's other people out there who when they approach Christmas, they approach it with, with, with great trepidation and concern and fear and anxiety and worry mm. because actually there are so many di- different balls that you're juggling because, you know, we're like most families in this country. We are blended family. We're a blended family, whatever that means. I mean, I think it puts, means like putting family members in a food blender and press and go, you know. But we're a blended family. But what comes with that isn't just pressures for the parents. You know, there's real pressures on Maddie and Kiki about where their relationships stand with Izzy and Fleur. And there are real pressures on Izzy and Fleur, our eldest, on where they stand in relationship to our girls because mm. they've got two homes to go to. This whole blended family, again, yeah. I think is is such a big pressure with that because I like to say blended with lumps because yeah. blended just sounds like another thing that we're all supposed to be. We're all supposed to be perfectly blended mm. and the recipe is supposed to be perfect. And it is not like that no. for any family in the country. Everybody has their falling outs, everybody has their anguish, everybody has their expectations, Mm. everybody has the fear of letting people down Mm. and yet it all comes together on this one day where everything's supposed to be perfect and as we know I mean some of the biggest fallouts happen on Christmas Day, don't they? I mean people dread it. Whether we like it or not, our minds and our hearts go to those people with whom our relationships aren't fully formed or a bit damaged or a bit, you know, struggling or under duress and all that kind of stuff. But then let's add on top. So that, that for us, that, that's most people's sense of what Christmas is. Then let's add on to that the fact that our two girls, who are our two girls, not, not your stepdaughters, the fact that they're now entering their teens... And with all due respect, the last thing really, Maddie, and increasingly will be the same for Kiki, they're going to want to be thinking about doing around Christmas, is spending time with their mum and dad. Well, but I think what you have to do with Christmas, because when the magic goes, I think what you do is, and I think we need to work harder at this, is we don't play with our children as much as we would like to or we talk about or we think about. Mm. And actually... 
however old they are, they love to play. They love to do charades. They love mm. to do a big, right, you know, loud game of Monopoly. All that stuff. I think that's what you do. You play. Well, I did. And I that's did, cheap. I, I did grab hold of Kiki. In fact, I think only last night and tried to manhandle her and throw her about in that sort of tickle fight way. Problem is, with all my girls, as soon as they give me one jab, I realise they're stronger than me and they can actually do great damage. So, <laughs> no. you know, the, the fun of chucking them around is quickly diminished with a quick right hook to my face. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It but is you're difficult. right; they do like to play it games. Is, it is so difficult that transition because, of course, we know, you know, that our children love us, but we also know that you get to a certain age and. All you want to do is be plugged into your friends. You mm. want to be seeing your friends, you want to be hearing your friends, you want to be Snapchatting your friends, you want to be Instagramming your friends, you want to be talking to your friends, you want to be... And all of that stuff goes on and on. I mean, I, I said to Maddie the other day, oh, have everybody over at Christmas Eve. I can't. Everyone will be busy. I can't have them. But I'm really open to that. I wouldn't even mind if they wanted to have their friends over on Christmas Day, Boxing Day, whatever. It really doesn't bother me. I don't feel really... Um, because we will spend a lot of time together as a family anyway. Mm, mm. I would like, I want to, as we move on and as they get older, I want to be more and more relaxed about it. I would mm. like to have an open house where they can bring friends who don't necessarily have anywhere for Christmas. I would be really, really up for that. And I think it's really important to stay flexible with it. Because, of course, when they're tiny, you want just that quietness, you want that just sat with them opening their stockings you want to put the biscuits out for the reindeer and you want it to be a very a very intimate thing almost with your children but I think if you stay rigid with that and interestingly talking to I'm not going to mention this teen but a teen I know who said oh it's just so frustrating you know I was there on Christmas Eve I was there on Christmas Day I was there on Boxing Day it was really really boring then they wanted me there the day after Boxing Day you've got to let go of that but there's a fine line isn't there I mean I do remember that you know there is that thing of you know it's like a death sentence sometimes to a child <laughs> isn't it it's like you've got to stay until Boxing Day you are effing joking Boxing Day more Brussels sprouts more sat at the table having to pretend I'm interested in boring grown up conversation which as people get more and more drunk they say the same shit that I've heard year in year out you can see why it's a hard sell sometimes to a teenager or certainly you know especially at 12 or 11 you're listening to this stuff and it's just beyond tedious I think also like we were saying earlier you know problems in relationships come into sharp focus so it's very it's very stressful if you're not in a good place in your relationship for you and also for your children because they'll pick up on that and and you know let's not forget there's an awful lot of people that are suffering around Christmas mm. with a partner that is drinking too much. I mean, alcohol becomes a huge part of Christmas. Well, as it does and, with teenage kids, because a, yeah. a great vast majority of teenage kids are, um, are wading through Christmas like a scene from The Walking Dead with hangovers from day one to, to, to the end. Because, you know, you're right. I think in many ways, the success or, or failure of a Christmas in parenting terms is really a reflection of how successful the relationship is between mum and dad or two co-parents or whatever it is. You know, I mean, you're right. If you've got one, one, one parent who's half cut half the time in front of the telly all of the time and there's someone else in the kitchen, the mum's in the kitchen, say, let's go for the classic royal family situation. You know, the stress... You know, I remember Christmas being about the inordinate stress of my nan 
It was always someone bloody stressed, usually the woman who was usually looking after, you know, so it was Nan. And there have been times in our past where sometimes the most stressful individual around is a woman of sorts who's taking responsibility for the food or, you know, so... Well, one of my friends of mine said Christmas is a conspiracy for women to be locked into slavery because actually the majority of women do, do everything and it's incredibly hard work for weeks and weeks and weeks and then it gets to Christmas and it's like how can it possibly live up to all the work all the money all the stress all the things it's never going to and also but there's a sort of guilt that's then there's a guilt what I call a guilt I'm not saying this is what you've done but in the past there's a sort of guilt bomb that can occur in many families where because one person is taking sole responsibility for everything regardless I hasten to add of how much other people want to help because sometimes there's a very interest mm. in taking martyrdom. all the response martyrdom there's nothing worse than christmas martyrdom over the turkey it's really annoying especially when the turkey's then really dry and disgusting <laughs> but martyrdom christmas kitchen martyrdom where everyone's castigated as these awful individuals who won't help and pull pull their fingers out when they probably do but they've given up over a systematic period of years i'm sure there are some people out there identifying with this you know The irony of all of this is you take a Christmas where you remove that component of working hard to make it a lovely Christmas where mum's really stressed or whoever's principal. I mean, I've taken responsibility in the early days for a goose and all I was was stressed beyond belief. It was just, and you're focused on doing one thing and you're not actually present. Actually, as soon as you removed all of that, and I think one year you turned around and said, you know what we're all going to do? We're going to eat whatever the hell we wanted. We had chicken crisp worst sandwiches. Worst Christmas of my life. Chicken crisp sandwiches. Might have been worse Hated for you, it. but it was the least stressful Christmas any of us have had. It's horrible. It's so depressing. <laughs> God, what did they have? Kiki chose spaghetti with sprinkles and chocolate. Yeah, because sauce that was it. Is that in Maddie elf? chose cheese and onion Pringle sandwich. I had a chicken sandwich, chicken crisp sandwich. It was a love. And what I'm saying is, is that it's not about one or the other. But I do think the amount of stress, and I think a lot of kids, obviously, the last thing kids are going to want to be around is stressed parents. So. You know, if there was like a roadmap for a successful Christmas, is like don't do whatever it is the thing, whatever the things are that make it really stressful. And unfortunately, that does revolve around having a bit of help for whoever the primary cook is and all that kind of stuff. But for me, Christmas becomes, you know, I remember witnessing my nan. I remember thinking I loved being at my nan's as a kid, but I hated how my nan became because she would just became obsessed with this. The so there would just be anger in the kitchen, and there'd mm. be a sort of resentment and moodiness from my grandfather and then my mum was just having whatever kind of argument she was having with whoever and she was always out by Christmas Eve. She'd arrive on Christmas morning and she'd be gone by Christmas Eve morning. So for me, that's why I have this hostility to whenever you suggest, let's head off for Christmas. I'm like, no, I want to be home. I want to be grounded. I want to be wherever it is for the kids that we're at home and and that sort of sense of security, I think, is something that I like from Christmas. So Mm, as the girls get older, I find myself getting slightly more anxious about what Christmas is. Because for me, since the age of 23, as a parent, it's always been geared towards a child under 12. And I think being a parent of a teen, this is something... it's, It's Christmas, as a parent of a teen... It's making you look at the empty nest ahead mm. of time mm. because it's a it's a really clear marker of the change to come, isn't it? I know. It's stark. really it's, it's stark. A stark. It's a bit like Charles Dickens's what is it? Uh, Christmas Carol. You know, Christmas future, Christmas past, and Christmas you know, and all that. And you look at Christmas future, and I sometimes I go, what the hell is Christmas future? What is Christmas future? I'm going. Oh. Hang on. 
I'm actually panicked. What? <laughs> My heart's well, going. I'll tell what you, is Christmas future? Tell I'll, me. I'll tell you how I see Christmas future. I see Christmas future as whenever the girls want to come to us for Christmas, we will be there and we will give them the Christmas that, that they want. And whenever they don't, I will never put pressure on them to come. If they get a, girl, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, we don't know, um, uh, or another life, then I will. That was that will be the year that we go off to the sun and we do something different. I was, I was just literally living in dread of you saying that. I just thought, or oh, if they don't come, we're going to bloody be in Marbella, aren't we? No, not Marbella. I've just realised we're going to be in the sun. I don't. I don't know if I want to be in the sun. All right, Christmas. well, a cottage in Cornwall then. But what about the girls? <laughs> well, if the girls want to be with us, then we. That's my point. As a father, maybe I am never going to let the girls feel they cannot have Christmas. Well, that's with us. terrible. Well, I might do it. Because we have... Bribery, bribery. We have this discussion a lot with me and my friends, and I just think it's really unfair the way it nearly always leans towards the woman's family for Christmas. It's nearly always... Like when somebody gets married, it's nearly always that you're going to the wife's parents' Mm. uh, family. And I just think nobody has ownership. We don't have ownership of our kids. Our kids might... I like that fact because I've got four daughters. I remember Izzy saying to us a few years ago, she said to me, oh, you know what I'd really love to do? She said, I'd love to just... With her boyfriend at the time, I'd love to just... We'd love to just stay in our flat and have a takeaway. And yeah, I no, said, I get that. why don't you do that then? Mm. You can do that. Mm. And you know what that is? It's because actually kids get a bit weary of the stress around Christmas as well. And especially, I think, with Izzy, your eldest, having been one of a blended with lumps family, you know, Christmas was always contentious for her, not so much for our girls because they were always with us. Mm. But there would always be for her probably the sense that she wasn't really with her whole family because she was never with you. So it's very complicated. So I understand when she gets to her 20s and she goes, oh, actually, do you know what? I really feel like just being at home with a takeaway. Absolutely. God, I bet you do. Now that you don't have to feel the push me, pull me. So when Kiki says to you in eight years' time, Mum, I don't want to come for Christmas. I will be totally fine with it. I won't. (laughs) I won't be fine with it at all. Well, of course I'll, I would I'll, go into, I'll go into a stealth-like mode of trying to work out what is she absolutely after this Christmas and she'll only get it if she comes to visit us. <laughs> but that is being quite a manipulative parent. Damn right. But is Damn that right? Straight. Are you thinking more of your own needs or are totally. you thinking of your child? Entirely my own. But I'm me at this point and Christmas is... I mean, how much of a hardship is it? Oh, I have to go and see mum and dad and have to get nice food and have to have nice presents and have to have a lovely time only for 24 hours and then head off again. I do think there's an element of, there's an obligation to your family at Christmas. I really do. I think, you know, for the, and also you could, you could suggest, I mean, a lot of people say, oh. that, you know, this is the generation that can have anything they want all the time. I mean, sometimes I think just, just you know, like think, sometimes I it's think, important to come home for dinner on a Sunday. Yeah, but I think that some people, I, I think that that's just completely disregarding where your child's head might be. And it doesn't mean they don't love you and it doesn't mean they don't want to spend time with you. But you could I think you just have to respect that your children grow up and become somebody a bit away from you. They come through us, not to us. We keep saying that all the time, but it's true. We don't own them. And they have to fo- forge their own owner. way. It's not about ownership, it is a bit. but it is about loss. It's about, yeah, it's about, it's about, but it is totally about loss, and I get that, but you have to be, you have to rise above it and say, what's right for my child? It's like, when you met me, if your nan had said, no, I want you to come here for Christmas, you I would have... have I wouldn't have expected you to come. 
No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if your nan mm. done what you say you want to do with your children, how would that have left you feeling resentful towards your nan, I might suggest? Yeah, no, I get that. There's always the possibility. Of yeah, resentment. but you've got to get well, it no, the no, other no, way around. But, but maybe in a different way, one makes it so supremely enticing and wonderful, the whole prospect of Christmas at ours, that um, they, they'll never want to go anywhere But else. is that not manipulative? In the nicest possible way. Ah, so it's there's nice a lo- manipulation. Lo- before you start getting up on about manipulation at Christmas, there's a heck of a lot of lying and manipulation that goes on at Christmas, isn't there, with kids? So let's just get on, you know, there's a little bit of making it work for ourselves as parents too. I think, I think to try and wriggle away from this part of the conversation is the important part of the conversation. Which is the important part of the conversation. Because we're talking about parenting teens and facing the fact that when you're in a teen, that they're growing. Now, I suspect that our kids will still be with us every Christmas. I mean, apart from anything else, we live in London. It's almost impossible for kids to move out these days. I think our kids will be with us when we're 100, probably. Uh, And I'd be fine with that. But I think that you don't let the future just crash into you like a juggernaut from the side without thinking about it. And I think this is what happens so often with people with empty nest and let's say empty Christmas nest is that they just, we don't want to think about it, we don't want to think about it, we don't want to think about it. And I think it's important to let it start seeping in and go, okay, how is life going to look with these changes when these change? I mean... Maddie at the moment is 16 and she's saying the whole time, oh, I can't wait to move out. I can't wait to do this. I can't. That's her rite of passage. Oh, I know. That's her rite of passage. And to say, or I would never say to her, well, I don't want you to move out because I, that's not my right. Yeah, that's not my in, right. Yeah, but in saying that you'd miss her or that, you know, when she moves out, it's a shame, isn't to control her. It's to no, tell her that she's to, scared no, and No, but, but keeping to Christmas... Mm. I would I would absolutely know that she would know that I would always want her with us for okay. Christmas. So I wouldn't feel that I would need to say it sure. to her to leave her feeling bad if she suddenly said, do you know what, I want to go with all my friends to Tenerife. Yeah. I've saved up the money. We're all going to go party and we're all going to go. I'm going to be like, but I'm going to get over that. Right, I'm, I'm not. But here's the thing, we're, to- we're talking at great length about the existential crisis of being a, a sort of middle-aged, middle-class, mid- Tarquin-like parent here. Oh, God, you know, it's so... Uh, oh, oh, how awful we're going to feel about not staying and, and all that nonsense. What about the practicalities? Because on a practical level, Christmas is one of the moments where the nuts and bolts of practical day-to-day family life, if you like, are thrown into sharp, sharp focus. And what I mean by that is... Chores and responsibilities at Christmas. It's all well and good, teenagers and tweenies and all that lot getting all the presents, but they need to pull their weight. And, and I think this is something that's a major problem for a lot of households. You know, how do, how do you manage getting what you want from your kids at Christmas? And things like, you know, like our girls need to go out and buy presents for people. Mm. You know, how have what they got that money? They? Oh, yeah, at what mm. age should we be giving them money? At what age should we be encouraging them to earn their own money? Well, I think we've made a mistake with that in the past, and I actually had to battle you quite a bit with this. You mean you made when a mistake? when they were younger... You made a mistake? We both made mistakes. mistakes. We both made oh, mistakes. Oh, right, okay. But we both made the same mistake, but yours was much more expensive. Right. In that you would buy these very expensive gifts for them to give me... Right. And I would buy expensive gifts for them to give you. And yes. actually, if I had my time again, yeah. I would not do that. No, I, I would think go I would back either. to square one and I would say, okay, you iron these three shirts. That will buy daddy his favourite can of beer. 
beer. No, not beer. <laughs> Favourite can of a soft drink. I don't drink. Um, or this will buy... Because I remember very clearly earning the money to buy my mum yeah, a so finger I. of fudge. So I remember and I used to give my yeah. mum a finger of fudge. That's really sweet. And I would be so excited yeah. about giving her this finger of fudge and... And it would mean something because I'd paid for it, mm. because I'd earned the money and I'd paid for it out myself. So, yeah, so I, so we did have to battle each other for many years. No, 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 one. you're absolutely right. And actually, when I think about that, that was a really bad move by me, really bad, bad move, bad dad, bad dad. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I remember when I, was, when I was sort of at that age of 16, 17, first Saturday job, yeah, you get your first bit of cash working in Habitat, wearing really shit trousers because it's part of the uniform, and then getting that money and then thinking, oh, I've got just enough to get some old spice for my granddad. And and those thoughts were really key, you know, and yeah. thinking, oh, I'll get a calendar for Nan. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, all of it, absolute nonsense. They, you know, they'd been bought it thousands of times by their children before. But that... that Forcing that burden of responsibility, in a sense, on on your children, it's, it's it's quite a good time actually. If we were clever and cleverer, to actually get the kids to work that sort of stuff out, do you know what I mean? In mm. terms of how to earn money, how to mm. budget, how which to they spend. do now. Yeah, but I wish that we'd started that earlier. I do think the whole thing about everybody. I think often the burden of responsibility on running the day does fall with. Um, the woman and that's not always a martyred woman no. that's just sometimes no, that's just the way of the world and I do think I mean I've certainly fallen foul of that around Christmas Day where I've just like all bets are off and it's you suddenly find yourself being a servant where you just don't get them to do a single thing yeah 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 and you're just like constantly yes. clearing up and you're knackered yeah. and you're and I think I think that sort of a thing over the whole Christmas period can be another, like, really draining... Well, it's doubly difficult in our household because it's very hard to ask Maddie at the midway point on Christmas Day, would you mind helping your mum clear up? Because it's actually her birthday and it hasn't been celebrated yet. Yeah. Because we always kind of cleft our day in two, don't we? Morning is Christmas. Yeah, four or five o'clock is her birthday. I was so sorry for her because we're always quite knackered at that point. Yeah, you're usually asleep on the sofa with a sort of slightly skew-whiff Christmas you know, Christmas mm. hat on, having done all of the cooking and everything, and you, you're looking for your justified hour and a half in the sun, just what you know, baking in front of the telly. And there's Maddie, sort of literally twiddling her thumbs, going, "It's my birthday! It's my birthday, guys! <laughs> it's my birthday!" But uh, yeah, no, it's a funny. It's, it is a funny and potentially stressful time of year, mm. isn't it? I think, do you think we've got it right. I, I, do you know what, Mark? Are we? Getting I it right? didn't get to sleep till about half past two, three o'clock this morning worrying about how I don't get any of it right. But we have two incredible human beings that live with us, <laughs> Maddie and Kiki. So I can only look at them and think, I must have done something right because they're amazing. But I... I thing is, and, 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 and honestly, doing these conversations doesn't help. <laughs> Most people can just tuck away all the bits that are going wrong, but we have to investigate them. <laughs> I, yeah. And I think, if I look if I look at it, I can think that I almost did everything wrong, like too many presents or, you know, or, or just too, I don't know, did I play enough? Did I do this enough? I, I, just everything, everything carries guilt for me. And Christmas is no different. The greatest pain in the arse of being a parent is guilt, you know? You can have a guilt of like, did you get them the right present? Did you get them wrong? Did you get them too many? Did you the whole present thing and the whole like competitiveness that goes on? I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I used to go into school and I used to lie about what I'd got because my mum did a really like 
proper Christmas, you know, and Father Christmas. You got a walnut and an orange. Yeah, you know, we just got like, though nothing was flash, yeah. you know, it was just like a main present would be something like Monopoly. Like, yeah. You know, and you'd go into school and the people had got a television. And I'd be like, oh, my God, they've got a television. So I pretended that i got a television. Then I wouldn't let anyone come around my house for ages because I didn't have a television in my par- room. And what about those parents, though, that only buy wood, only buy wooden toys? What do you think of them? They're really annoying, aren't they? Wooden toys. You go to those shops where it's I just like... I don't mind wooden, wooden toys. I don't toys. know why you take I against hate people that toys. buy wooden Shop- toys. Shoppers called... Dad's called Tarquin who buy wooden p- toys and they expect children to be excited about the fact that it spins. We've got a plastic bloody nightmare going on in the world. Rah, rah no, from no, wooden plastic, toys. Plastic's fun. I, um, I shouldn't say that. But I do think it's a huge worry for everybody about, I mean, the financial burden of Christmas. Well, I was going to say there's the cost issue, isn't is, there? Is, you know, and we have had leaner times in our mm. life and we've had richer times in our life. And I think whatever, I think we've always spent more than we should have spent. Yeah, I do. To think, be honest. I, I think we do. And I think everyone does. And I do think it's a real burden on most parents. Of yeah. any, And actually, at this point, of any income, really, because we all spend relative to whatever it is we earn. I think the pressure societally for us to just spend, yeah. spend, spend yeah. and buy your way to happiness exactly. does, does force families and does force you as parents into thinking this is a short, sharp sort of route or shortcut yeah. to, to happiness and success. And it, actually, when I think back I like to think of myself as a dad who plays with his kids and or has played with his kids and I that certainly happened around Christmas but you're right I look back and I think well to what extent have I done that to what extent have I bought presents or toys or the they've guilt. received presents and toys that will keep them occupied or yeah out of guilt out of you know I think I think being a step parent for me as well and watching how when your girls would come around and of course there was this huge emotional gap for you because you never saw them on Christmas Day, no, never once no. their whole childhood. Um, and I would see you buy... I would overcompensate. ...a huge amount of presents. And it was really difficult for me because I knew where that was coming from for you and I felt sad for you. But then I also felt sad as a step-parent watching them overwhelmed with these presents mm. and almost not knowing how to respond and how to open them and mm. how to how to deal with what you know, this enormous pile and probably that was a different pile to one that they got at home but we never knew because we Mm. never knew anything about their Christmas. And, yeah, that was a year's worth of missing... So I was trying to buy their love. No, I don't think it's about buying their love. I think it it comes to a year of missing. Mm. I think it comes... All the the pressures of being an absent parent... Mm you know, come to bear, don't they? And again, they they come into sharp focus and you're thinking, yeah, you're just trying to fill those gaps, plug the gaps of the Mm. year. And so you want to show them, oh, I remember when you mentioned such and such and I bought that. And honestly, sometimes I would just see this small child with this great pile of presents in front of them, not knowing what on earth to do. That breaks my heart when I think back about that. Yeah. If I think think back to, uh, you know, as a parent, again, going back to parents' experience of Christmas, I've had two very different experiences of Christmas. You know, the experience of Christmas through my eldest girls and then the experience through my youngest girls. And it makes me very sad because, you know, I do think Christmas is a time, again, as I say, where, you know, you can, you can, hold, a, you can hold at bay all of those dark, dark worries and fears and, and inadequacies as a, as a dad, uh, especially, you know, if you're the absent parent. Um, but you can't at Christmas. You, you, you're kind of, you're forced to sit 
face-to-face, in front of. And you're right, if I look back at that image of, of Fleur and Izzy with their little piles of presents and Santa would pay a different visit to each house and all that kind of stuff. You know, I, 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 uh, you know, I'd have to be sort of deeply honest and say, you know, there was a part of me that was wanting to, in a sense, buy my way out of this situation a bit. Mm, and I think, and I'm sure there are people listening mm. that that are in both your position and and in my position as being, you know, the step parent. And I never. I never could say to you that I felt that mm. because I could see that you were in a frenzy of trying to fix mm. with stuff. And it used to, and you know, I'd see you come in with another bag of presents and I think, oh, it's another bag. They don't need all those mm. presents. Mm. But it was you trying to, yeah, bridge the gap. And bridge I think, the and gap. I, yeah, I mean, I cannot imagine if somebody said to me I wasn't going to see Maddie and Kiki, like, <laughs> Every single yeah, I mean, don't Christmas. get me wrong. It wasn't just it wasn't just presents. I'd also tickle them to within an inch of their no, life. No, no, no. But I'm do all sorts of wonderful no, things. No, no. But I want to be quite specific about the present mm. thing because I think it's a big issue for all of us I, as parents. Of course, you're a great dad, and you mm. you give them great time, and you wrote them beautiful cards and all of that. But I'm just wanting to purposely be specific about presents. No, 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 no. I agree because I think. Like you said, it doesn't matter whether you've got money or whether you're struggling for money, whether you're going to be left in debt or whether you're, you're going to feel a bit of a, a pinch, but you're okay. There's still too much. Mm. We give too much. We're trying to fill in where we... Our guilt as parents over the year, where didn't we fit? Where didn't we play enough? Where didn't we... Do, and then we try and do that with stuff. Well, I think we need to I remember kind of... one year I said to Maddie... What would you like? Obviously, there was going to be the Santa's presents, but our presents we always bought separate. And I said to her, what do you want? And she looked at me with those huge chocolate eyes of hers and she said, nothing. Mm. And I said, well, what do you mean, nothing? And she said, Mom, I don't don't want anything. And I said, oh, right, well, uh, what about a coat? I've got a coat. What about some shoes? I've got a pair of shoes. Mm. I was beside myself. And anyway, I was talking to my friend Simone about this and she said, Oh, this is wonderful. You must respect this and not and not buy her anything. And I went, I literally can't and that's haunted me. It's like, who are you giving? What are you giving yeah. for? Your child has looked at you and said, I don't need anything. Mm. I don't want anything. Yeah. What is the gap in yourself? But so you're still gonna go out and buy her all these blimmin' presents. But it's really interesting. That's a really, really important thing you've said there, because despite this sort of what must sound like a sort of avalanche of gifts, courtesy of me, that the girls have had. And they have had. They have had. But at the same time, they're not particularly materially no, orientated not. at all. Of course, they want to be up to speed with their mates in terms of their phones and all that stuff. But they actually don't ever ask for anything or want anything. And, they, you know, it's not like they're sitting in a room full of, like, you know, Apple TVs and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I do think there's a lot to be learned. I think perhaps we could all take a little bit of this thought for Christmas, which is, you know, when you buy all these presents and kids get all these gifts and then they're drawn to simply the box that the present came in Mm. and they'll play with that box for the rest of Christmas. And everyone laughs about it. Oh, it's so funny, I bought everything and all they wanted to play with was the box. Was the box. And I think we need to kind of use that almost as a metaphor emotionally 
They're not interested in us, all of the kind of acrobatics and contortions that we get into of trying to provide the best Christmas. They probably would just like it if we sat down opposite. Well, you see, and this is the thing, and this is what gets me about Christmas. I'm about to say something that I think is really bloody Christmassy, but it's not true. They'd really like us to sit opposite them and talk to them. No, they bloody wouldn't. They'd rather we sod off so they can get down the pub with their mates or go around to their friends' house. I was about to say, we need to spend more time looking at them, talking with them and being with them. I think, if anything, our children would just like us to shut up. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Just shut up, Dad. Shut up, Mum. Leave us alone. we said to them, what we're going to give you for Christmas is we're not going to ask you how you feel. Yeah, well, we're not going to speak. We're not going to ask you if you're all right. We're not going to ask you. You know what's going to happen? Mum, I don't want anything else other than that. Other than that, just shut the fuck up. The other thing they're going to do is when they're a bit older, they'll just say, Mum, Dad, go away for Christmas. They'll have their Christmas in our house. We won't. Darling, you're getting yourself really aerated. Because I'm I'm really worried I'm going to be made obsolete. I mean, you don't understand. Since the age of 23, there's always been a baba there that I've been looking after. But you know the way to think about that is to think... Negatively. Okay. That's always been the case. Maybe things will work a bit. Imagine, Babe, imagine, like imagine if you got up on Christmas morning and you didn't have loads of people that you had yeah. to make happy and you just I did Pilates. had a late breakfast, read the papers, Stretched. read a book, listened to music, <clears throat> watched a box set, ate cheese all day. Imagine. That yeah. could be the new reality. Yeah. You don't like it. Not really, no. <laughs> no. I want to be madly running around the streets of London frantically trying to fill their stockings and stuff. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Well, Santa does that. No, know, I know Santa does that. that, but we also fill them, don't we, guys? <laughs> we also supplement what Santa can't deliver. I just want to read you this. This came into my Instagram this morning um, because I posted this picture of Maddie and I when she was little. And I was just talking about how easy it was then, you know, you could just, any trouble they were going through, you just put them on your lap, give you a sweetie, give them a cuddle and everything would be sorted out. sick on you. Yeah, and then I said, um, uh, what, what do you miss most about uh, about them being little? And Claire, oh, is it Claire? Uh, 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 hang on, no, where is it? Uh, five says, I miss most cuddles and Christmas morning. Opening the stocking on my bed. Now I have to wake my 16-year-old up Christmas morning or he'd be in bed till lunchtime. Yeah, well. I was like... Yeah. Yeah. That is... I must that's admit... That's where it comes... But when you think about when you'd be woken up at like half five, five in the a. morning... 5am. <laughs> 5am, that's the bit that I'm going to miss. I mean, the girl... I mean, Kiki can struggles to get up before noon. I mean, this Christmas, she's going to be... I reckon Christmas won't kick off until about 1pm. We could always set the alarms. But I think that really sums it up, actually, Laura. I think that really does sum sum it up. The cuddles on Christmas morning and opening the stockings. It's really... You just have to find a new reality. You have to find a new magic, don't you? What's the new magic? I couldn't believe it when you came up to me the other day and said, you you don't know, you won't believe this. I said, what? Kiki. Hasn't believed in the tooth fairy for the last year. I was horrified. She hasn't believed in the tooth fairy for a very long time. Did you really only just find this out? She had to talk me down. She had to talk me down. I said, what do you mean, how long didn't you know? She said, Dad, I knew for a long time the Goblin King wasn't holding the fairies hostage in the garden. (laughs) You've got a lot of growing up to do, I tell you. 
Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're a little <laughs> bit worried that she might tell you off, you could always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, <laughs> at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. God, I feel so unchristmassy suddenly. Um, oh, look, here's a message from Paula, 47 from Enfield. When the kids were younger, I used to look forward to Christmas. They really enjoyed it, got very excited about Santa and went crazy when they opened presents in Christmas morning. Now they're in their mid-teens. Christmas feels more like a work deadline than a holiday. There you <laughs> feel, Paula. It seems like Christmas has become a depressing chore for the kids who now come home at the last minute to eat turkey, take their presents, and then disappear off with their friends. This is so sad. <laughs> I can't bear it. It's like, it's like when I feel well, myself... Without oh, any sorry. time spent with the family, I don't understand how it came to this. But I just hope that they grow out of it and want to spend time with the family again. In the meantime, do you have any tips to get them to engage? Don't they give them any will. presents until they talk. <laughs> they will. I mean, you know, we 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 faded away. You know, I once went to a boyfriend's for Christmas instead of my mum's. Yeah, and that was last year. It was and, really odd. And um, <laughs> they, uh, we only had three roast potatoes each. And by the afternoon, I was phoning my mum crying. So they've got oh, no good. extra roast potatoes. They've got no. And I never, I never left my mum's Christmas again. I must admit, babe, I dread to think what would happen if the girls come back saying anyone else's Christmas meal is better than yours. Well, they don't like turkey, so it's very likely that yeah, they no, say that. Yeah, no, but I've seen them say it about roast potatoes. Hell hath no fury like mm, a former celebrity master chef. roast potatoes. Yeah, so in the meantime, do you have any tips to get them to engage? My tips, though, who am I to give a tip? Because as I've already said in this uh, discussion, I don't think I've got a single thing right. Um, I think is to be flexible, to realise that you no longer have ultimate control over Christmas Day to let them be a bit, to not say, not force them into a game of charade if they don't want a game of charade, to, to, to go with the flow. You know, they're growing up and they're going to want different things out of Christmas Day and it's no longer just your Christmas Day, it's their Christmas Day too. In other words, to admit you're a loser and you've lost control. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, 38 Leeds. We used to have a normal, inverted commas, Christmas like everyone else. Stressed about cooking, stressed about Christmas shopping, feeling the need to play host the whole time. It was just an anxious time for us that we were glad to get through until we looked at it from a distance. This year, we're going to a hotel and they're cooking for us. Ooh, mm, controversial. We're going to have a nice, easy time with no fuss. I think that Christmas has become too much pressure and too commercial. It should be about family and spending time together, making memories and having fun. Pressure and anxiety shouldn't be a feature. Well, I, I agree. I agree. I think that we we, sh we need to come back. I mean, in Italy, I remember when I was a teen, a late teen, I had one Christmas in Italy. And they do it so beautifully there. You know, everybody gives just one beautifully wrapped, carefully chosen gift they hand them over on christmas eve and it really was very magical even with the adult lights pretty lights everywhere and candles and it was just i think sometimes you know when you just walk through the shops and you see the amount of rubbish like a bar of soap that was a just a bar of soap the week before has now got like a, a reindeer head on it and it's 20 pence more. I, I mean all that tut where does that tut 
come from? Where does it go? And as we think more and more about the planet and the impact of consumption on our consumerism and all that's having on the planet, what are we really doing? It would be great to strip it right back and go back to, but are we are we not just too far out of the cats are too far out of the bag? The cats are too far out of the bag. The cows are too far in the field. Yeah. All sorts of weird shit's kicking off. The reindeer have, have bolted. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, I think we're addicted to it. I think if we were to remove all those elements, we would go into gross... Meltdown. We'd go into cold turkey. Oh, I love it. Um, I think we would go into cold turkey because I think we are addicted to the compulsion to control it, to spend, to see it's it like as a... It's like a massive a, a, addictive it's a, it's binge. A, it's a binge. It's, it's a, a huge, binge. Well, it is a binge. We, everyone drinks too much, eats too much. Too much. It's why Why's I often much. feel parked outside of it as a recovering alcoholic is that I can't even indulge at the fringes of it. And why the hell not? It is a, you know, it's not all bad, is it? Having a great time at the end of the year. Everyone works hard. Everyone's... Don't in, get me wrong. I love... I mean... We we love Christmas so much that yeah. we do a Vlogmas every single day. We make yeah, on our film YouTube channel. every single day of December about yeah. Christmas because we love we it worship, so much. We worship Christmas. I worship Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's not forget. Last week we tried twenty five different mince yeah. pies to get the right mince pie. Yeah. We are we are hypocritical beyond. I I actually go but to. We are I, addicts of it. We are. It's out we of are our control. Total we can. Con- yeah. We can stand back and look at it and go, oh, my God, this is a mass binge. But, but we are so immersed in it. And I, I don't want to come out. I agree. And I knew I had a problem when I found myself in a Santa's grotto, sitting on Santa's lap, asking for <laughs> presents, knowing that I didn't want them for me. I was going to take them home and give them to our girls. So, yeah, it's an addiction. It's a mm. massive addiction. I, oh I'm Mark. God. And I'm a Christmas addict. I've depressed myself now. I know. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bell rock. Don't sing. That depresses me even more. <laughs> Sam32 from Windsor. Last year we got busted by a six-year-old making snow prints on the carpet using a shoe and talcum powder. <laughs> oh, this year he's entering into the Christmas period with a significant level of scepticism. <laughs> the line, Daddy is one of Santa's part-time helpers, doesn't seem to be sticking. Is there anything else I can do or say to bring him round? Six is too young for the magic to end. Well, ah, uh, yes. can oh, I just no, say... We have. We've got exactly something to say. Well, we've got a lot to say about that, but put it this way, Nadia is not wrong when at the beginning of this podcast she said, she's not wrong when she said at the beginning of this discussion, is that better? Yeah. She's not wrong when she said at the beginning of this discussion that their Christmas in our house is usually accompanied with me just going, shh, shh, no, stop, shh, don't speak so loudly. Please don't put the cookies out there. So stressful. Do not, you've got to have the right bowl for reindeer. You've got, it's got to be milk. Shh. All of this is going on all the time. Now, the year that I did dress up as Santa's helper because I just wanted to make it a little bit more interesting. Um, what happened to Maddie? We scared her to within an inch of her life. She wasn't right for about two years. Two years she couldn't sleep in her room <laughs> because she saw a strange man stumbling across the garden having got stuck on the fence with a bag, as she, when she was older, told me, of clearly potatoes. Mm. So you can, you know, however hard you try, even if you're really convincing, if you're too convincing... You will scare your children half to death. My belief is this 100%, that if you don't believe in the magic, the presents don't come. Hmm. That's why I still believe in the magic, babe. Hmm. I don't get any presents anymore. You're too big for Santa. Mm-hmm. I only get socks. The most underrated present in the world is our 16-year-old says. Yeah, I'd do true. anything to get socks. I know, she she's clearly telling us something. She doesn't want anything. She wants <laughs> socks. What if she buy herself? 
that's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review, tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. <laughs>